How y'all doing? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of the Across the Cowboys podcast. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. With me, as always, is my co-host, the greatest co-host in the world, Mike the Pig Crumb. Mike, how are you? Doing good, man. Vacation. Vacation, all I ever wanted. I came on with you guys. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm not going to ditch out. I'm going to have all next week off. Might as well come on and see the Cardinals fan and, and you know, try to lift his spirits. So, at least you got that shower cry in before the vacation day, right, Mike? Oh my God! Oh yeah, all five questions. <laughs> I have my Trayvon Diggs jersey because I don't want to wear Disney to the two days we're going to be at Universal, and so I'm like, I'm going to wear Parsons and Diggs, and then that day the Trayvon Diggs news dropped, and I was crushed. But you know, what are you going to do? Injuries are going to happen, you know. So you you just got to try to power through it. Yeah, man, I I, uh, I didn't get on Twitter too much yesterday. The first thing I saw when I did get on, when I got the chance to, was Trayvon Diggs torn ACL, and I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Is this real? It's brutal, man. But, I mean, if you look at it, like, the Cardinals wish they had Deron Bland. So, like, we – sorry, Donnie. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I, I don't think I don't think you're wrong. And to be honest, the, the Diggs news was even kind of like – um, left the, the Cardinals media in awe, too. But, I mean, Dallas' defense is so talented. Not that it doesn't matter, but, like, there's 10 other chess pieces on that team that will definitely help make up for that loss. Agreed, man. Agreed. Thank well, Mike, you. I mentioned where I found the – Sorry, coming from a different fan base, that means a lot. Because we, as Cowboy fans, yeah. we try to – we're in denial. So we're like <laughs> – I'm from Fresno, so I love Deron Bland. But even I know, you know, Deron Bland is just not – Trayvon Diggs, he's not. So hearing from another chat fan base, like y'all got a million pieces out there. You could work around this. Yeah, that's a good that's good news. Yeah, thank thank you for that silver silver lining, Donnie. We appreciate that, man. That, that's actually what I'm here for. I'm here for good <laughs> and positive Cowboys PR. So yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, Mike, I told you I found the news on Twitter. Uh, where can the people find you there? At CD Piglet, guys. Nice and easy. Guys, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Well, here we are with episode three of Mike and I series Offsides, a series where Mike and I bring on fans, reporters, journalists, and or content creators of the opposing team that the Cowboys are playing to discuss the matchup, what it's like being a fan, working for the team, and everything in between. With us today is publisher for Fan Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Donnie Drew into the show. Donnie, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. A, a phenomenal setup and really looking forward to a really good conversation with you guys. Yes, sir, Donnie. Uh, Donnie, where can we find you on Twitter, sir? Yes, at Donnie Druin. Uh, Donnie with an I-E. Don't spell it with a Y. I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> D is a David, R-U-I-N. Not hard to find. Yes, sir. Well, Donnie, let's go ahead and get after it, man. I, uh, I remember I sent you the show sheet and I was asking you uh, a question about being a Cardinals fan and you were straight up like, Hey man, I'm actually not a Cardinals fan. So I'm curious. Yeah. I know you're not a Cardinals fan, but who do you root for on Sundays? So, oh man, I, I, this is not the show to, to say this out loud. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. So I grew up a diehard Steelers fan. Um, ah. And since, since I entered the, the media world and I moved out here in 2012, um, I still have, but surely kind of gotten away from that fandom as I've kind of tried to establish my like professional feet in the in the world of media so um still obviously try to keep up with them but i can't necessarily say i used to love them like i did a handful of years ago uh especially whenever you're just around the arizona cardinals every single day like i am 
Well, who's your uh, favorite uh, Cardinals player? Oh, man. I, in terms of talent, man, um, that's tough. Buda Baker's definitely up there, um, just in terms of how great of a player he is on top of the kind of person he is. If we're going by, like, funniest to interact with as, like, a reporter, DJ Humphreys by a um, country mile. Uh, I mean, I can't find another player in that locker room that can magically drop a Phineas and Ferb reference in the middle of a press conference. And until I do, he will remain number one on my list. And I'm curious, Donnie, who who is your favorite non-Cardinals player? Ooh, right now, uh, he's retired. I love Calvin Johnson, though. I was such a big Megatron fan watching him. Definitely yeah. helped. I drafted him every single year in fantasy football, too. So <laughs> that, that really helped. If you're asking me some of my favorite players around the league, I'm actually a Penn State fan. And so I watched Micah Parsons kind of rise up through Happy Valley. So I'm definitely pleased to see uh, just how phenomenal and how of an elite of a player he is at the professional level. Mike is definitely up there for me. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I love so many football players. It's really hard for me to pick one. Troy Polamalu is my favorite growing up. So if you're oh, making man, me pick an yeah. all-timer, it's got to be him. Great choice. Absolutely. So I'm curious, Donnie, how long have you been with Fan Nation and how did that opportunity present itself? Yeah, so I've been with them for about five years. I'm going into my third year about full-time. Um, I, I was a Steelers fan trying to make it in the world of sports media, even though I, I lived in Phoenix. Um, luckily, I knew the guy who was running the Steelers website, so he let me hop on, write a couple articles a week. Uh, I, I kind of really got my feet settled there, found my voice, and then whenever the opportunity presented itself, I reached out to start a Phoenix Sun site. Um, I started the Phoenix Sun site. They liked what I did with that. And then I had him take over the Arizona Cardinals site. And now I'm heading into basically my third year full-time with the Cardinals site. And I'll be entering my second year full-time covering the Phoenix Suns as well. Oh, that's nice. Cool. What do you think uh, Phoenix's chances are this year? They got some depth at least uh, now behind their big stars. Yeah, I mean, talk about pushing all the chips in the middle of the table. They certainly did that. Uh, you definitely like the chances a little bit better um, than how they ended. You're hoping a full offseason of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker can kind of come into culmination. And then they have 82 games plus the uh, the in-season tournament to figure things out with the lineup. So, uh, I mean, I've always said that stars drive success in the NBA, and they have a three-headed monster. Hopefully nobody can stop, but ultimately we'll see yeah, I'm a Lakers fan, so I'm hoping one team can stop them. You see, I grew up a Lakers fan. I was such a big Kobe guy, so I, I'm right oh, there with yeah. you. Legend. All right, so let's get into some Cardinals. Jonathan Gannon, tell me how you feel about that. Right how, higher, wrong higher? What do you think? Yeah, that was such an interesting move. And whenever we were talking to Monty Austin for the Cardinals general manager after he was hired – um, it appeared as if they were never going to go through the process without at least talking to Gannon. Now, obviously, Gannon um, and the Philadelphia Eagles, who I know you guys are super big fans of, um, went all the way to the Super Bowl before they ended up losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. So they weren't able to exactly interview him until they got done with that. They were last out of the five teams to hire a head coach. Delayed the entire process for them, basically. But, I mean, when, when you interact with them, and when you see the the difference in energy between Cliff Kingsbury, his last couple of years here, and the energy now, night and day different. And I know energy doesn't exactly win football games, guys, uh, but you definitely see that the rebuild aspect of it. They want guys who will get the culture moving forward. And that's exactly what the Cardinals are doing. So I 
I'm hesitant to say it was the right hire, but I could definitely tell you it seems like this team is heading in a better direction than it was seven, eight months ago whenever Kingsbury was fired after they finished 4-13. and 13. Yeah. You mentioned rebuild, Donnie. What were your thoughts on the Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons and Josh Jones trades and the compensation for those trades? Yeah, uh, shocking might be the wrong word to use for the Isaiah Simmons trade, which, I mean, he's just playing at a Pro Bowl caliber level for the Giants, right? I mean, how how could the Cardinals trade him? Um, a seventh-round pick was a little shocking considering where they took him in the top 10 just a few years ago. But I think, yeah. I think that was such a statement from the Cardinals front office where it's like, hey, if you're not – if you don't want to be here, you're not going to be part of the future – you can go. There's a door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. Um, Josh Jones was a little bit different. Jones started at both guard and tackle. A lot of people here thought that he was going to be kind of that utility backup guy for the Cardinals again this year. A little part of me thinks that he wanted to go and start somewhere, which ended up being Houston. I think that was a really good fit for him. Um, I think they got him for a fifth-round pick, which isn't so, so bad, but it's kind of what you expected for Isaiah Simmons. I guys, honestly, I think the Isaiah Simmons deal was a hey, we just want this guy off the roster. We were going to cut him before the final fifty three was made anyway. Just mm. make him. Was wow. he was Simmons as a as a person who works there? Was Simmons like a pain in the butt to deal with? Was it it just he didn't want to be in Arizona anymore? What what was that about? Yeah, so I mean, you guys know from like a national perspective, he was seen as this unicorn coming out of the Clemson, right? I mean, ran under a four four. The size was incredible, which is the overall versatility was great. Moved him to inside linebacker, didn't really do great there. Tried to move him to nickel corner, didn't really do great there. Played him at a couple of different other spots. They really never found a home for him, right? Like he never got to have his feet settled. And I don't know if that stunted his growth, but towards the end, it really kind of seemed like he didn't want to be in Arizona anymore. He had made a comment at the very last press conference he talked to with the media where somebody asked him what he wanted to play, what position he thought he deserved to play. And he said he told the new coaching staff he wanted to play as a safety. And then... Sure enough, through two preseason games, the Cardinals did not like what they saw. If you go back and watch, if if because you guys have so much time on your hands, if you go back and watch, um, <laughs> look at the effort he shows in the preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs. There were numerous plays where he pulled up and he didn't exactly go into something that he should have. And I think that was kind of the final nail in the coffin for the Cardinals to say, hey, you know what? We're not winning the Super Bowl this year. Let's trim the fat where we can. This guy awfully doesn't want to be here. Let's let him go. Um, I'll tell you this, guys. He didn't exactly want to talk to reporters. Um, I don't think we were his best friends because we didn't exactly write great things about him. Uh, but definitely not the most friendly player whenever it came to making himself available to reporters. You kind of led into this next question. Um, you know, they're, they're they're not Super Bowl contenders this year. They are. They seem to be trying to cut fat and 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 build a new culture. What do you think the Cardinals' overall motivation for this season is without being, you know, we're going to win it all type of thing? Yeah, I think they're really just trying to cut their teeth. I, I think when you look at the moves made by general manager Monty Austin for it, they get that first-round pick from the Houston Texans next year to, you know, ultimately cut a guy like DeAndre Hopkins to let, you know, a handful of their free agents go in the offseason. They're really setting themselves up for the future, and I think when you look at it like that, they're kind of playing with house money. Right. I mean, they know they're not going to be Super Bowl contenders in 2023. I think the ultimate goal for the Cardinals, just get better every week. 
but you Cliff Kingsbury did not develop talent here in the desert. You want to see this team fight. You want to see them be competitive and you want to see them get better week to week. And guys, it's only been a two game sample size, but we've definitely see a little bit of improvement from week one to week two. And hopefully that continues moving forward. Yes, sir. You know, a lot of talk around the Cardinals this year was them being the worst roster in football and them, you know, ultimately having the first overall pick. If Arizona were to land the first overall pick, what do you see them doing with it? Oh, that is it's tough, but it's not tough because I think that this entire thing of what they should or shouldn't do really depends on Kyler Murray and how he looks. If Kyler Murray is able to come back and Kyler is able to look like the franchise quarterback you thought he was a handful of years ago, I think you kind of have your answer. But more than likely, that probably won't be the case. He's he's operating under a new offense coordinator, fresh off of an ACL tear. And guys normally take a little bit of time to really get adjusted to that. Doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins to throw to anymore. There's a lot working against Kyler Murray in 2023. Um, where like, I understand why people thought he wasn't going to play, but I, I definitely do think he's going to play. I think if you're sending out one, you have to take Caleb. I, I just, mm. I, if you're, if you're really rebuilding, like Monty Austin Fort said he is, and every move suggests that up to this point, you can't pass up on a guy like Caleb Williams on the contract that he has and then not build around him. If I made you put you, you, you're putting your money on the line. You're putting the, the bets down. Is Kyler Murray end up being in the future plans for the Arizona Cardinals? I'd say no. It, it, it's tough. Oh, it's like man. a right now, it's like a 51 49 for me. It's just because I, I haven't seen him play. And it really seems like Jonathan Gannon's really trying to get behind him and just say, hey, this is our guy. We really believe in him. Um, he was brought up as a positive thing. And Gannon's press conference brought up as a positive thing. And Monty Austin Ford's press conference verbally they're behind him but i ultimately we'll see when push comes to shove and the cardinals are on the clock if they are at number one if he really is the guy and i mean obviously lip service can only take you so far into the national football league and i i can answer this question better for you whenever we're in the offseason i know where they're picking and we see the color <laughs> play but mike you're making me put my money on it yeah i don't think Kyler Murray is going to be a cardinal next year man yeah you know you mentioned the major injury and and the, the contract and everything, and the, you know, playing for a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive, new head coach. It's It sounds like there's not really a lot of motivation for Kyler Murray to play this year, except for the Cardinals maybe wanting to put something out there on film and using him as trade bait. You kind of touched on it, but you, you think Carl, Kyler Murray will play this season? 100%. Yeah, more than anything, and I've had the luxury of talking to Kyler a handful of times, so I feel like I know him just a little bit better than a lot of people on the national perspective. He's a competitor, and you have to remember, this guy – was a Texas high school football legend. He did not lose yeah, yeah. at all um, during his time in high school. He went to Oklahoma, did not lose very, very much there. He's not really accustomed to losing, right? So he gets the NFL level. He goes to a dumpster fire of an organization, to, to put it very, very nicely with the Cardinals. And he he's just frustrated. He's the competitor at heart. He definitely wants to come back. And truthfully, Paul, I think it benefits everybody. If Kyler Murray comes right. back and plays, it, it benefits Kyler to prove to the organization or maybe 31 other organizations may be looking at him saying, hey, I can play football. I am healthy. I have the ACL injury behind me. The surgery is good. I am good to go. I can play quarterback at this level. It benefits the Cardinals saying, hey, you know what? If we do want to trade this guy, here you go. We have him on film. He's not hurt anymore. We're not 
exactly working with damaged goods and for other teams, the exact same reason if you're going to trade for him. So I do think he'd come back. He started on the pup list, so he has to miss at least the first four weeks of the season. Uh, so right. he's eligible to come back week five, but you also have to take into account they're going to want maybe a week or two of him getting live reps in practice before they just roll him out there. And that's like a best case scenario too. So I think yeah. week eight, week nine is kind of that timeline. We all in the desert are kind of eyeing for him to come back. Okay. Well, you know, Kyler Murray's out. JJ Watts retired. Buda Baker's now out as a Cowboys fan. We're, we're looking at this team. Who's the best player that's going to be actually playing this weekend? Yeah, you know, you kind of just went through the the list of their best players and all of them teams that are not be uh, playing right now because due to injuries or even retirement like JJ. I'm going to bring up a familiar face. I'm going to go Kaiser White. Kaiser White was you know, his first year here in Arizona, already elected the team captain, knows Nick Rallis and Jonathan Gannon's defense inside and out. He's got the green dot in the helmet, so, you know, he's able to relay and communicate the play calls. Um, all of our interactions with him have been phenomenal. He's a legitimate leader for this Cardinals football team. And he seems to be somewhere around the football every single play. I really can't find anybody else on either side of the ball, at least right now, that's as established as Kaiser White and as productive as Kaiser White too. So maybe not like the household name everybody's looking for, maybe not like a Marquise Brown or like a James Conner. Those two are very talented and Zach Ertz, don't get me wrong. But if we're looking at just production and what they bring to the table right now, their two game sample size, Kaiser White's got to be my guy. Eagles are missing him right now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They, well, they're, they're missing Jonathan Gannon too, but Eagles won't tell you about that. They'll uh, they'll say that it's his fault they lost the Super Bowl. So, yeah. Or the field. They'll blame the field. We heard that. Yeah. Lot. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, the Chiefs played on the same field. I wonder how they did. Chiefs, Chiefs played on the same field. <laughs> were the second best pass rush team in the league last year and the second best uh, pass blocking uh, offense in the league to Philadelphia being number one, but it only affected one team. Sorry, I'm, we're going to get off on that rant. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked a little bit earlier about, about the Diggs injury, Donnie. How can the Cardinals take advantage of that? You know, I, I know we already touched on it a, a little bit. I think, and I, I highlighted this as like um, a, a key to the game for myself to watch on Sunday. I don't think the primary matchups are going to really dictate who wins and who loses this game. It's not going to be Marquise Brown and Stephon Gilmore. I think it's going to be the, the secondary guys. I really think it's going to be up the guys like maybe rookie Michael Wilson and Rondell Mora on the Cardinals receiving court to really test that Dallas depth to see how they can go. But I mean, in order to pass the ball, guys, you got to get it out on time. And Dallas' defense leads the league in sacks. They're arguably the, the best unit in the NFL. I mean, if you can't get the ball off, it doesn't matter if you have all, any three of us playing in, in the secondary, right? And that's my biggest worry is that the Cowboys are going to generate so much pressure on Sunday. It's not going to matter who's lining up at corner because Josh Jobs won't be able to get the ball off. And if he does, it might not even be that accurate. No. Another another beautiful setup by you. Uh, the <laughs> most success that the other two teams that Dallas has faced so far had offensively is when Daniel Jones was scrambling and then when Zach Wilson was scrambling. Do you think Dallas will have more trouble with Dobbs as a scrambler, as a runner, than they did against Wilson and Daniel Jones? You know, this is going to sound really weird considering Josh Dobbs ran for a 23-yard touchdown last week. I don't think Dobbs is that big of a scrambler. He's not 
eager to get it out of the pocket. He's definitely trying to progress through his reads and definitely throw the football first. He just happens to have the the same ability to move out of the pocket, definitely to a lesser extent to the guys you just named, but mobile nonetheless. I mean, I Josh Dobbs is not going to turn to Lamar Jackson on Sunday. I, I, I promise you. Um, if Dallas is smart, what they would do is they would rush forward, they would clog the lanes, and then they would just have Micah sitting as a spy and then just an attack anytime Josh Dobbs moves forward. I, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I have no worries of Josh Dobbs going crazy on Sunday. That is good to hear because the the running they run a little bit of read option. Is he an effective runner in 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 their read option plays, or is it more of a a, a setup for to open up for James Conner? Definitely set up. Um, I think I can count one, maybe two times where Dobbs actually kept the ball. And uh, th- that's just him being smart and him playing it safe and him trying to still get used to the offense. And you have to remember, he's only had now two full games in the system. He was traded uh, at the end of the preseason. So uh, I, I obviously you, you do want to do your due diligence, make sure Dobbs actually does hand the ball off to James Conner. But I mean, if, if Dallas is half as good as they've shown in, in the first two games at stopping the run, man, they're going to stall James Conner really quick. They're going to get up 14 to zero and they're going to turn it into Hey, Josh Dobbs, go out and win this game. And I mean, to kind of paint a picture for you guys, Sunday will be the first time in Josh Dobbs' career, who's drafted in 2017, that he's made three consecutive starts in the NFL. Wow. That's crazy. I swear, between the ice cream man and my dogs, I have had <laughs> some, some right in the middle of your answer is just woof, 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 ice cream man. I apologize for that. I was going to say, in studying Dobbs, I do believe he is a better full-field reader as a passer than Daniel Jones or Zach Wilson are currently in their careers. He They don't progress as well as he does. So, yeah, I, I think that's something that a lot of Cowboys fans don't expect, you know, because they don't know the name. So, yeah, he, he's a good pocket passer as far as um, taking the time to to make his looks in the pocket. Yeah, and the, the big reason why Arizona went and got him was that uh, Drew Petzing, the the coordinator now, was his quarterback's coach in Cleveland. Um, Israel Warfork was also in the Cleveland staff too, so they were familiar um, with Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs was familiar with them, and then they tried to sign Dobbs in the offseason. He ended up going to Cleveland for a little bit more money. Um, they ended up getting him for, I believe, a fifth-round pick. Uh, just that you're banking on the the athleticism and then the familiarity with the playbook, and we saw a really good jump from week one to week two. Whether we see another good jump from week two to week three, it kind of remains to be seen. I'm not betting my money on it, but you could definitely tell it's getting a little bit more settled. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Josh Dobbs as a passer. You look at a Rondell Moore, Marquise Hollywood Brown, and James Conner, they've got some good playmakers on offense. Do the Cardinals have enough weapons on offense to win a potential shootout versus Dallas, do you think? Uh, short answer, no. A little bit longer answer, definitely no. Um, I think that's the Cardinals' <laughs> worst fear is this game turning into a track meet. And that is no mm. no slice to the shin to guys like Hollywood, guys like even Zach Hurts, who's been a very good security blanket for Josh Dobbs uh, the, the first yeah. two weeks of the season. Um, I just think that what's going to happen is Dallas is going to turn Arizona into a one-dimensional team. They're going to stack the box make James Conner earn every single yard possible. And then if if Josh Dobbs can will his team to a win with Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, and a rookie Michael Wilson, so be it. 
right? Uh, I do not think they can compete in a track meet. And I think if they do try to turn it into a track meet, if they abandoned the run very early, it will get ugly very quickly. Yeah, so there's there's one. I'm a Dak guy. I'll say that ahead of time. But the one thing that, that bothers him in games is if you can mess with this pre-snap, put a bunch of people on the line, change your coverages right after the snap, uh, change who you believe is blitzing. That was a thing that Cardinals um, have given them trouble with before in the old regime. Do they still do that under under Gannon through the first two games? Has that been a, a, a thing for them? So what I'll tell you is that they've been very aggressive defensively, which has kind of been refreshing to see going from Vance Joseph to a guy like Nick Rallis. They have not been afraid to dial up the blitz. Um, the Cowboys have 10 sacks to lead the NFL. The Cardinals are right behind them with nine. Right. So they're not exactly sachos whenever it comes to getting to the quarterback. Um, a big part of that is definitely the blitzes that Nick Rallis does dial up. I haven't seen a whole lot of disguise in terms of what they're doing. I still think they're trying to find their identity, um, you know, getting those live reps from game to game and really kind of forming what works, what doesn't work, getting key personnel in there. I mean, they're really trying to mold themselves in the first few weeks of this defense. So I definitely think there's a little games being played just in terms of trying to disguise what they do. Every NFL team does. But I mean, they're nowhere close to like a Wink Martindale defense in terms of the, the exotic looks and everything else that you're going to see. Really quick to touch on your point. I, I promise I'm not playing to the crowd here. I think if Dak Prescott was wearing any other helmet besides one with the star, people would love him. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, no question. They're, no they're, doubt. That's a media, that's a TV media thing is go out. They did it with Romo. They do it with Dak. If it, It's just to get the Cowboys involved in a conversation and to get, uh, you know, clicks or views or whatever from Cowboy fan outrage. And I spend a lot of time on Twitter saying stop promoting it that you know people the bart scott thing is a perfect example he smirks and he goes what can go wrong will go wrong about trayvon Diggs' injury you know and um and people promoted it over and they were like he should be fired him why would they fire him you're doing exactly what he's paid to do he's paid to get you guys to send out retweets of the show and and you guys are doing it so i don't do i won't retweet that i don't i don't watch the the skip I, I he's the worst of the worst but i don't retweet their stuff i don't do any of that and i wish if cowboys nation would just stop engaging with them a lot of it would calm down but as long as it gets engagement you're gonna get dak his ass you're gonna get that stuff yeah you know something that's not ass is, is the cowboys rushing attack and you know their offenses look pretty good too these last two weeks with a team as, as good as he's the Cowboys, it's really a pick your poison. <laughs> it's it's really a pick your poison on how you want how you want to try to beat this team or how you want to try to beat them. Are you more worried about the Cowboys passing or rushing attack? That's tough because Dallas, at least from an outside perspective, correct me if I'm wrong. They're so balanced. I mean, if if you try to turn them one dimensional to the the rushing attack, if you don't really address the the line of scrimmage, Tony Pollard's going to go crazy. Um, Deuce Vaughn is in Dallas, correct? Deuce. Yeah, yes. I've heard really yes. good things about him. If you stack the box and you dare Dak Prescott to find one-on-ones in man coverage, he's going to beat you. Um, C.D. Lamb is a, a tremendous receiver. Brandon Cooks looks like he's going to play this week. Um, he only played one game. I was looking at the numbers. Tony Pollard is the, the number two receiver, correct? 
just he's, in terms of like stats. Uh, you know, in terms of receptions, I believe he is, which don't even get yeah, me started about how happy I'm about that. Yeah. Uh, Michael Gallup is still there. Everybody knows what Michael Gallup can do whenever he's healthy. I, I would say I'm more afraid of the the passing attack if I'm Arizona only because I like my front seven a little bit more than my secondary. And so I, I'm more confident in my ability to manage Tony Pollard and company than I am really trying to get Dak to not pick apart my defense because we saw yeah. Sam Howell not have a great day, but also not have a terrible day. Um, we saw Daniel Jones in, in the second half really find his rhythm. And obviously Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones is right here. And you, you look at the tape from the second half and you wonder what kind of numbers Dak Prescott can put up. Mm. Question. How do the cards win this game? Like, How do they overcome what so far has been a Dallas juggernaut to get a W? Uh, Cowboys, Mr. Flight. <laughs> if, if, if i'm arizona and I'm, I'm game planning for dallas man you first you have to take care of the football no turnovers that's a big reason why arizona was up 20 to 7 in the third quarter last week um they took very good care of the football you have to do that against a team with the best turnover differential in the nfl with plus seven so obviously take care of the football try to control the game, try to keep Dallas's offense off the field as much as possible. That would incur a lot of James Conner on the ground, which is definitely something they've done a good job of doing, um, which is night and day different from Cliff Kingsbury's offense, not to, not to get on a little tyrant there. Um, control the clock, keep Dak and company off the field for as long as possible. And then when you get inside Dallas's side of the field, which I know somebody in the chat pointed out that not a lot of teams have exactly done that to success this year. But if and when you do get over on the other side of the field, you got to get seven in, instead of three because field goals are not going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, not this year. In the second half, Dallas has not allowed somebody inside their 40 yard line yet. That's nuts. That's kind of disgusting. That's ludicrous. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's <laughs> really ludicrous. <laughs> Insane. All right, Doc. Just talking, just talking to you tonight, man. I can tell you're a smart guy, but I'll ask the, I'll ask a bad question anyway. If you were starting a franchise of the two, who would you pick as your quarterback, Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott? Are we talking right now? Correct. Like both at full health. Okay. Dak is thirty. He's also Dak is good. Also, yes. <laughs> yes. I do think when healthy, Kyler gets overlooked sometimes. Not to say he's Joe Montana, but, I mean, he has flashed what he can do. Part of me wants to go with the upside and the the four more years of, of youth compared to Dak. And the other wants to not use my head, but just, like, look at the production they've had and the success they've had. I think yeah. if you swap Dak for Kyler here in Arizona – I think fans would definitely be a lot more pleased with the team's results. I I would go Dak. I think Dak is more polished overall. I think Kyler gives you that more athletic upside, but I, I think Dak's just as an overall passing quarterback, as an overall just like field general, I probably think he's the guy there. If I told you that my reason for wanting Dak was not as much of on the field, but as as far as quarterback goes, and I know you have to interview this gentleman. I'm not 
we're not going to ask the stupid like does he study bull you know bull crap but as a leader as intangibles go i feel as looking at both guys that Dak is better and that that's very important to a quarterback thing not saying kyler's bad at it Dak's just one of the best at that and so that would be a reason that i would take Dak over kyler you would say what to that no that's a very very good point and i'm really glad you brought that up because they're under the old regime in cliff kingsbury i'm sure you guys have seen the the multiple spats we'll call them that both cliff and kyler got into on the sideline right Tyler, in terms of PR, does not look very good, right? I mean, he's seen as this bratty kind of dude. The video games thing is one thing. The study clause thing is a whole other thing. You you take the study clause thing, and granted, like, that shouldn't have been the big deal, but, like, why is it in there? You know, if you're an NFL quarterback, why is that clause in there to begin with? Which, that was unheard of in terms of contract language. You had teammates this offseason come out on radio, on local radio, and say, hey, he needs to grow up. He needs to become a better leader. We need him to become a better leader. And that same teammate, Kelvin Beecham, doubled down on it. It, it wasn't just a, oh, you know, sorry, my bad. He, he doubled down on that comment. I kind of think the ACL tear helped put things in perspective for Kyler. I definitely think the new regime helped kind of usher him too because he seems night and day different. He seems more of that, that kind of guy in the locker room who is trying to win with his teammates not just himself and i think kyler is kind of that guy where kyler was so talented whenever he was younger he could win games by himself he didn't need 52 other grown men to follow behind him because he could win himself right when you get to the nfl it obviously isn't like that unless you're patrick mahomes but even then pat is surrounded by phenomenal talent everywhere i think the acl tear really pumped the brakes for him and said hey i'm i'm at rock bottom now i need to work my way up um, I think that's been a really good opportunity for him to see other guys work in front of him, to see this new regime with a bunch of positive energy come through. They give him the, the reinforcement that he needs. He seems different. I'm not saying he's a Walter Payton man of the year candidate, but he definitely seems more like a locker room guy than I've seen him in the past. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes those, uh, the, that adversity man can, can humble you and, and, and hopefully, you know, better you. Paul, I'll let you close it out. You you take right. you take over the questions from here, my friend. All right. Who will win this game, Donnie? <laughs> Dallas, right? I mean, it, I I very few things surprise me having watched the NFL for so long. I'm sure you two are right there with me. And it's such yeah. a week to week league. You really don't know the Cowboys are such, such a good team this year. I feel like I picked them every year as my Dark Horse Super Bowl team. They just haven't been able to get there for X, Y, or Z reason. I would be shocked if the Cardinals won this game. And that's no slight to them. I just think Dallas is night and day ahead of where the Cardinals are as a team, as a roster, as an organization. I I just cannot fathom Dallas fumbling this. I mean, they're the second largest, um, you know, favorites by Vegas heading into week three. I, Micah Parsons might win this game by himself. I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw before he hopped on, but Nathaniel Hackett said that they underestimated Micah Parsons last week, which is mind-blowing. 
absolutely mind blowing. So I definitely hope Jonathan Gannon and the company do not underestimate Micah Parsons like previous opponents did because <laughs> yeah. it, it might be another forty to zero game like we saw in Week One. Yeah, I Micah, saw. Aaron I'm Rogers, not here oh. I saw Aaron Rodgers say like basically the game plan when you play Dallas every week starts with eleven. Like I don't know what you got to do, but everything begins with eleven. And uh, I don't, I don't think the the Jets were prepared to see Micah Parsons move over the center regularly, and you know what I mean. They just saw whatever side he's on slide that way, and uh, he ended up being everywhere, and was he really gave them fits? Yeah, no, he went absolute bonkers. And to be very, very fair, everybody we've talked to at the facility today, from Jonathan Gannon to Nick Rallis, sorry, not Nick Rallis, Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator, to Josh Dobbs, have all been very, very well aware of who number 11 is. So maybe that's a step in the right direction for them. Uh, but it, it'll be just amazing to see what the Cowboys can do with him on Sunday. Yes, sir. It's not like uh, Urban Meyer, who does know who uh aaron donald is right these guys know who who michael parsons is yeah. the, the car, the <laughs> you, you would hope so yeah you you would definitely hope they know who number 11 is and it, guys if they don't they're gonna know by the end of sunday <laughs> yeah yes sir mike who who wins this game mike uh i have cowboys uh we're saving score predictions but i'll say that i did not have them covering this game pre trayvon diggs Injury. Mm. I thought this was going to be a lot closer than 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 people thought. I I thought the offense would kind of be very meh this week, and now I'm interested yeah. to see what how the galvanizing of the Trayvon uh, thing builds them up. Yes, sir. Yeah, like like you, Mike. I'm going to say my score prediction, but I think it's going to be be the Cowboys as well. Uh, Donnie, who will score the fourth touchdown in this game? You know, I I have C.D. Lamb. I, I I have a hard time picturing any Cardinals scoring the, fr- the first touchdown out of here. I'm not confident in Arizona secondary. I, I'm not so sure Marco Wilson right now is a, is a CB1. The opposite starter of him is a fifth-round rookie, Keetra Clark, who has looked good at times. I, I will give him that. Um, but we saw what the Giants did last week, and I, I, I just think C.D. Lamb is a very, very polished receiver. And at this point in his career, there's so much more potential for him. Um, I think C.D. Lamb is going to put the Cowboys on the board first. Mike, how about you? I'm going to go Brandon Cooks, hit a deep shot. Mm. You know, finally, Dallas hasn't really took uh, any deep shots yet, so I think uh, they hit one to Cooks against the young secondary and, and get a big play touchdown. I like that. For me, I'm going to go with a Hollywood Brown. Trayvon Diggs out of the picture. I can see Arizona maybe testing the Cowboys secondary early enough to try to be aggressive. I like it. Uh, who will uh, who will have the most fantasy points this week, Donnie? Only because of volume. I think I'm going Marquise Brown. Oh, I mean, he, I like he, 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 he's been up there in terms of receptions. Zach Ertz also wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he, he's been Mr. Reliable whenever it comes to Josh Dobbs. And if the game pans out like I think it will pan out, the Cardinals are going to be passing the ball a lot. Uh, I think Marquise Brown is my 1A and Zach Ertz will be my 1B. Mike, how about you? I'm pretty much lazy with this. I almost always pick Dak. Quarterback, big offense. <laughs> you know, if they – if yeah. they throw a couple of touchdown passes, he gets the point. So it's hard to go like, 
Brendan Cooks, well, you know, it's probably going to be a touchdown pass. Dak's going to get those points too. So I'll just take Dak Prescott. I tried to change it, and I was like, I just don't see it. Dak, it's going to be Dak. Yeah, fair. Uh, for the second week in a row, I'm putting my money on Tony Pollard. The Cardinals defense has given up four rushing touchdowns already this season and three total touchdowns to running backs in the first two weeks. So I think it's, Pollard's going to have a big game. All right, Donnie, what, what is your score prediction? I'm going I'm going 28-13. If Dallas puts up oh, over okay. 30, I will absolutely not be shocked. Um, I'm sure Arizona will be able to squeeze out a couple points here and there. I mean, I think with what they looked like last week, it might be a little difficult to blank them. I, I don't think it's exactly possible. 28-13, uh, I do think the Cowboys cover, uh, which would be rare because the Cardinals are 2-0 against the spread this year. So. Nice. Mike, how about you? I had it 23-13 pre-Trayvon injury. Oh, wow. I, okay. Yeah, I thought, you know, it would be one of those things. Give the media something to talk about. Even though we're 3-0 and and everything, Mike McCarthy stinks. His offense is no good. What are they doing? But uh, now with Trayvon, I think they're going to come out and play for their guy. And so it'll probably be something along the lines of 30-10, to 30-13, somewhere around. All right, yeah, that, it's funny you say that, Mike, because I have a 33-10 Cowboys. Yeah, see? We're in the same realm, 28, yeah, exactly. somewhere between 28 and 33. Cardinals score somewhere between 10 and 13. Yes, sir. All right, Donnie, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, before we get you out of here, uh, tell us about the, your, the content you're creating and where we can find it, sir. Yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Donnie Duran. Uh, I also have a Cardinals podcast that just hit over 1K, so I'm really excited about that on YouTube. Just type awesome. in all Cardinals, A-L-L space Cardinals. Uh, follow our work at allcardinals.com or slate.com slash NFL slash Cardinals. And, yeah, I'm kind of just hanging out. Very cool. Congrats on that, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, a lot, lot of hard work and just trying to keep up with you guys. So <laughs> He does all the hard work here. I just come on and Michael. talk. Mike, where can we find you on Twitter, sir? Letter C, letter D, Piglet. You know what it is, guys. Guys, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. Good luck in your soccer game, Donnie. Kill it.